Mm. We're live now. Yeah, I don't know how to do the uh, what do you call it? <laughs> the intro or whatever. Fantastic. Actually, just you talking was a good intro for us. Mm-hmm. All right, hello, Fog fans. Welcome to Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. We are at Lupton Beers on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. If you haven't noticed, uh, I'm sure you have if you're following the Instagram account. Martin has really been hyping up and adding a lot of that content uh, in the last month or so. He's been doing a great job of, of adding stuff. So join on there and subscribe. We'd appreciate it. Um, I'm your host, Kyle Malloy, at YellMK on Twitter, joined by our producer, Crazy Ray Cartwright, who's about three seconds behind the rest of us. So if he starts talking over us, that's why. Uh, we've got our Sultan of Stat, Martin Guerrero. Uh, we will have the uninformed frog, Garrett Evans, join us shortly. He's uh, probably wiping his baby's butt, uh, but he'll be he'll be on soon. And uh, unfortunately, the master of activities, Jacob Sailors, cannot join us tonight. He did not master all of his activities today. Uh, so that's he's just taking care of some of those. Uh, but his replacement just might be uh, an upgrade. Uh, we've got unofficial LDC member, uh, recurring guest of the pod, and the pride of Klein High School, Matthew Perk. Matt, welcome back. Good to be here. Great to be uh, after a winning weekend. You know, that's always the uh, the goal for me is not to come on after we lose because that's just real fun for everyone to see my face and associate that. Awesome. Well, we're glad you're here. And uh, See, that was your entire uh, first half of last year. I was worried I was going to get after, rescinded. Uh, weekend like, all the invites were going to get rescinded. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's going to be rough. <laughs> hey, Ray, let's get it started right. You just held up a, uh, a cool, refreshing drink from Finland. Uh, when you're enjoying a perfect Sunday of frog ball, what's your go-to uh, beverage of choice? Oh, definitely a long drink, and it doesn't matter what flavor either. They're all good. Um, I'm currently enjoying the nice peach, very refreshing, very crisp. Hey, peach twins. Triplets. Let's go peach. Um, <laughs> thanks for that incredible ad read, Ray. I uh, really appreciate all the uh, the information, but no, seriously – yeah. We love the peach. We love the zero uh, sugar option, just 99 calories. Long drink is really uh, is really stepped up, and uh, we appreciate the sponsorship. Uh, we'll get to our second sponsor later on in the pod, uh, but let's get rolling. Um, we're going to quickly brief, uh, just talk about uh, Tuesday night uh, before we get into the awesome weekend versus UCLA. Uh, the Frogs hosted Texas State uh, in what turned out to be kind of a close game. Uh, no one was really expecting that until it got close towards the end. It was a tight matchup. Frogs uh, took it six to five, despite going up five to three after five, excuse me, five to nothing after three innings. So we thought it might be a beatdown. It was not. Uh, we saw an inside the park home run, Chase Brunson, um, great dive, just unfortunately missed it, rolled back to the fence, and uh, the runner scored. We saw Ben Hampton, uh, new pitcher or new, his frog debut. He got through three innings unscathed, gave up um, a bunch of runs in the fourth. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and then I saw, what might be the best assist that didn't count I've ever seen in my life, uh, going back to Chase Brunson, uh, massive ball hit to center field. He throws it on a frozen rope um, to Carson Bowen, and unfortunately he just couldn't um, he couldn't squeeze the ball. Uh, but that runner was out by a foot, and uh, you know that, that would have been one incredible play. Unfortunately, it didn't count, but 
we saw the potential, I guess you could say, of, of, of Chase. Um, Brody Green went three for four on Tuesday night. He cemented his role at third base, and we saw him. We saw that play out um, over the weekend. And uh, what else? Martin, what else stuck out to you about Tuesday night versus uh, Texas State? Um, ben Hampton was great. Uh, he was pretty electric. I was surprised with the amount of strikeouts that he had. But um, after that weekend of, <clears throat> you know, our our starting pitchers having trouble uh, keeping the other guys off the board, it was nice to see uh, Ben Hampton keep a uh, pretty good Texas State team down. Garrett, what you got from Tuesday? Yeah, so Ben Hampton was impressive. Also, um, our, our guy, Luis Rodriguez, as well. Um, he, he pitched, what, one and two-thirds, I believe, and still had – um, three Ks. So um, I really want to start seeing more and more and more of him this year. I'm really excited about him this year. So that was fun. Um, also, wrong team, but can we talk about that Farber kid, Texas State? My goodness, man. That was wild. Did he go he four for four against four us? For, four for yeah. four. I don't know if he's missed a baseball yet in his collegiate career. Yeah. Another guy we wish we could transfer in the middle, middle of the season. Uh, Matt, did you get a chance to uh, watch the game on Tuesday? Yeah, I was able to catch a little bit of it. Um, it's the same old. We're always we can always beat Texas State at home. It's just what happens when we go to San Marcos. Uh, that's it's just I always look at them like, yeah, we're probably going to beat them at home. That's pretty much. But yeah. let's just avoid getting run rolled down in San Marcos. Like, let's try that one this time. The good thing we don't play them in San Marcos this year. I know, I know. We're, I was yeah. like, good. We don't have to double dip because I mean, it's <laughs> it is notorious. I've seen it too many times playing and or coaching. I'm like, I don't know what happens. We just. <laughs> just forget that baseball is supposed to be played that day. It was kind of weird over the fall going down to San Marcos and we just tore them up in mm -hmm. the first seven innings, like 14 to three. I was nice. I mean, obviously Mora didn't play. I don't even think Ferber played, but um, it was just weird. Yeah. To see like we, that's too many runs. We scored down there. that match. Yeah. Like I think three year total down yeah. there. It was like that one scrimmage. All right. Um, well, solid. I think it was week. nice um, for Tuesday. Sorry, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, um, I waited for a break. <laughs> um, just that we have a legit Tuesday starter this year. You know, we're not relying on freshman or random arm. We have a legit Tuesday guy to roll out. I mean, we've only seen one game, but I agree with you based on that first performance. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ben continues to improve and potentially, you know, grabs a Sunday spot or something like that. So um, but we can talk about that when we talk about the starting pitcher for the weekend. A very successful weekend for the Frogs. We'll talk about uh, just a snippet of each game, kind of do a, a couple notes from each game, and then at the end, maybe some bigger picture stuff. So if you have a kind of a theme from the weekend, let's save that to the end, and we can kind of wrap it up with some questions. Um, appreciate uh, guys like Jackson Day and uh, and Delman Damon, excuse me, uh, in, the, in the chat already asking some questions. So appreciate you guys being here. So game one Friday night. Frogs go up early with the help of Curtis Byrne, uh, who had a, a, a big night, actually, on Friday. Two-run home run in the second inning. Brody Green knocks in his first homer of the year in the fifth, and that was a 4-2 lead at that point. Uh, UC, UCLA would only go to score one more run, uh, so it was a close game. Frogs end up taking it 4-3. to three. Peyton Tolley was on the mound, uh, saw him improve. He went five innings on Friday, uh, only gave up two runs on three hits, including four walks and seven strikeouts. And Ben Abelt notched his third save of the year, basically giving up nothing in the last two innings. Uh, so close, uh, but fun game. Uh, I I don't I was there. Don't remember it feeling that close, but it, it was. So uh, thoughts from y'all? 
Yeah, I, say, I would agree with you. Um, it didn't feel close at all, especially down the stretch. Um, maybe some of it has to do with um, two really nice double plays um, tonight as well. I mean, I believe both of those double plays came um, after allowing a guy on the, on the first through a, through a walk. So um, every time UCLA was kind of sneaking in there to get an opportunity, it seems like we shut him down. Um, I think those double plays had a lot to do with that. I I mean, it was obviously a close game. It was a one-run game, but like you said, it didn't feel close. I think a lot of that had to do with the guys we had on the mound. Um, Tolly, Ayers, Collier, and Benny Belt. I mean, those are like our A++ guys. The, that's your Friday guys. That's your big energy guys. You know, that those guys are going to carry you to a win, you know, more, more times than not. Um, and then... Kyle Ayers specifically, I mean, that was pretty crazy. He came out of the bullpen throwing 95-97. We haven't seen that in a while. Um, and then Collier, too. I mean, we've seen him pitch this year, but he was pumping it in 95 as well. And then we had Ben Abel coming for a, a six-out save. Like, it, the pitching was just – they really carried the team uh, after a weekend of everybody on Twitter, oh, man, what's up with the pitching, you know? You mean the most overreacted weekend in all of college baseball? Well, I mean, yeah. Everyone but... stinks or everyone's going to win a national championship. Those are the only opinions you yeah. can come away from. Yeah. I, no, mean, I thought, it was, I thought it was way better. I thought I, I thought it was way better as far as that. I think you. the biggest thing you take away is the trust that Kirk has in the bullpen for Saturday and Sunday to allow Abel to throw two innings. That's a that's a trust thing. That's not a you know. In some years you have to do it because that's the only way you're going to win. But typically for this group, it's like he can throw him two innings, knowing he's not going to throw the next day more than likely, um, because he's got enough guys to be able to back it up. Um, the only negative I have was it was a positive, but it's also a negative. Is we got to watch. We can't always rely on a double play after a walk. Like you can't. Yeah. That that's that's the that's the stuff where with with Tolly it's like. Walks are going to happen, but if they happen in bunches, that's where it's like that's an out of sync. Like that's a mechanical thing versus um, it just being like, hey, just, you know, the the, the AB didn't go his way, didn't get a call, that kind of stuff. And so that's my only thing from Friday is watching him is is based on how he throws, he's susceptible to getting out of sync. If he gets out of sync, it's, you know, it could be eight straight. And it's like if we don't get a double play and they get a flare hit, it looks a lot different. Do you think he's one of the more volatile pitchers on the staff where he could he might be able to go seven or eight, you know, if he's having a strong night, but he could also be knocked around early and have some wild pitches kind of get off his his uh his routine? I don't know. Yeah, I think you're gonna see with him at, most of his starts are gonna be like 90 pitches in five innings. Like <laughs> I think that's what you're gonna see. It, it okay. just just based on it, because even even without the walks and the other ABs, it's like if you look at it and kind of go through the sequencing, it's like everything's three one. Like he's coming back from three one, and if you do that over and over and over, it's just you can't go deep in a game. And also, you're 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 hoping or not hoping, you're just relying on somebody to make a play to kind of bail you out. And so that's the part where. But at the same time, he's going to have days where he walks out there and everything's going to be lined up, and you're going to see eight innings shut out with like you know twelve punch outs. Um, but I think you know on the average, we're probably going to see more five innings with ninety five pitches than we are not. Just uh, going back yeah. to Ben Abel for a second. Oh, go ahead, Martin. What's up? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just it's kind of similar to the, what we've seen from uh, Tolly during his time at uh, Wichita State. You know, sometimes he'd 
he'd throw a complete game shutout against ECU, and then you know the next week maybe get lit up by Houston or or um, Tulane or something. But he does rack up strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, it's I mean, it comes down to stuff. You know, stuff is good. I want to see some improvement or some growth in his secondary stuff. Um, I don't see yeah. it as a lot of wipeout stuff. You know, there's not really that true second like wipeout pitch. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and when yeah. you're looking at a Friday guy, you really want that guy to have that because when we get into the heart of Big 12 play, like those Friday night games are not going to be, you know, seven, seven, five, whatever. They're going to be two, one, three, two. Like you need to have a guy that's got the swing and miss. So hopefully we can see some growth from the secondary stuff. But because of the way he throws and his arm slot, you're going to get swings and misses on fastballs that, you know, shouldn't. Or, or you wouldn't expect it if you're just watching it. Um, but at the same time, it, it his his uh, his thing that makes him great can also make can also backfire. What what do you think it is with the? Um, I mean his his fastball is mostly eighty nine to ninety one, but some of these swings that he gets out of guys, it's like they had no idea he was going to throw a fastball, even though he throws fastballs ninety percent of the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's really just the the arm action and like his motion. You know what I mean? Like his body, especially for left on left hitters, his body. You look at it; his entire direction is towards the on deck circle, and then he's coming completely, completely across it to come around. And it's a low arm slot, so it's almost like if you look at it, it's kind of like he gets it and almost pushes it back up versus coming down to from up to down. It's almost like he pushes it up, mm-hmm. which kind of can create a little bit more more ride and just deception to it. But yeah, I mean it's a great, like I said, it's gonna be his calling card. But if it's not in sync, we can see some short outings. And you know, fortunately for the frogs, we may have the most mid reliever depth that we've had in years to be able to bridge the gaps in those kind of situations. When you um, mentioned Ben for a second, you you said ha- him having more trust um, from the coaching staff to get out there for two innings. Uh, if that was not the case, would you expect there to be a, another mid reliever between, um, I guess, Zach and and him, and he would just come in kind of in the ninth? Is that what you are, are, are assuming, or is that is, should I assume that? Yeah, no, I think it's one where you know. It's definitely that it's definitely the portion of he didn't believe that he could get six outs, he'd have somebody to bridge to him, or the bridge that we're seeing, you know, with Collier and different guys, like they would go another inning. You know, they would they would pick up the extra inning and they'd send him out for three outs. But with him, you know, towards, you know, I would say probably halfway through the season last year, after the you know, we've all documented his year, but like you there towards the end of the season, you really saw the ability where all right, he can go get you six outs if need be. Um, but it, I think it more comes down to you. He's allowed to throw two innings and do that because we have enough depth to handle the rest of the weekend and not need him on back-to-back nights as much as we have in the past with closers. Uh, Ray, uh, we've already mentioned Curtis Byrne and Brody Green having a big night. Uh, did you have any other offensive uh, notes or or things from Friday? Um, two pitching. I thought the defense behind the pitching was much improved from the previous weekend. And it kind of went hand in hand uh, with the pitching where there wasn't like extra base runners also given up, you know, via the walk or whatever. I thought the defense was really crisp on Friday. 
Yeah. A friend of the pod, Bella Fox, in the comments said it was nice to see some really good fielding after having seven errors in the first four games. And you're absolutely right, uh, Bella. We only saw where we didn't have any errors on Friday, none on Saturday, and only in a couple today. But even so, going from a weekend of eight to two, a little bit of improvement there. Um, All right. So successful first night. It was nice to get off to a uh, 1-0 start against the Bruins. Uh, Moving on to series Saturday, game two. Absolutely perfect evening uh, in the fort. Generally a pretty close game until about the sixth inning when uh, the Frogs put up a four spot, which was uh, this absolutely perfect uh, push bunt by Logan Maxwell. Somehow he he um, dropped it just past the pitcher, but uh, in front of the second baseman where uh, when he tried to flip it with his glove, it was too high to first base. He was safe. The runners were safe moving over, scored a run there. Um <clears throat> Uh, two batters later, Curtis Burns set an absolute laser over center field uh, for a three-run shot. Uh, that took the lead to 6-1 to one, uh, Frogs. And despite the Bruins kind of coming on a little bit later, scoring a couple runs, uh, they would not be able to, to overcome that. TCU picked up the series win 6-3 to three on Saturday. Um, didn't mention pitching, uh, but I'll throw it to you, Martin. We saw Cole Klecker go four and a third. Uh, what do you want to talk about, Cole? Um, I mean, pretty much every pitcher <clears throat> ever since the Ben Hampton start, uh, it was, it was good to see guys not give up as many runs. I mean, they didn't go as deep, but, um, Cole looks a little different from last year. He looks like he's got a little bit more swing and miss. Um, and then obviously Braden Sloan, um, came in, you, you know, who he reminds me of is, uh, Russ Smith couple years ago his uh obviously he's he's tall left-handed pitcher um and then the demeanor on the mound um you know he gave up a couple runs but i mean he went two and two-thirds that was huge big night for uh for both cole and Braden. um i'm gonna throw it to ray in a second uh cole went four and a third like i said one run on six hits three strikeouts Braden. Um, yeah, Ray, what you got? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to run to the bathroom by the time I get back, you should be done talking. So, yeah, what I was going to say is to Cole Klecker, um, talk to Kirk after the game and, uh, he was talking about mechanical adjustments that Cole had made between start one and start two that had really paid off. And then you saw a lot of growth from Braden Sloan and then uh, also Chase Hoover to trust Chase Hoover to come in and close down the game. I thought was a huge moment for Chase and his development as a pitcher. And also with Braden Sloan, it can't be understated. Those strikeouts he got in the fifth inning when he came on with runners on first and third, one out goes K walk K to get out of the inning. That saved the game. That was a ball game right there. And then, you know, TCU goes on the next inning. Curtis gets the big home run, puts TCU up 6-1, to one, and UCLA doesn't have the offense to come back from that big of a lead with uh, so few outs left in the game. Martin mentioned something about Cole looking a little bit different. 
Matt, have you noticed anything this year versus last year? I mean, it's only two starts in, so but it's time to overreact. Let's just get it all out there. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's just go ahead and mark how a season's going to go. You know, we all picked them <laughs> to go, you know, ten plus wins last year in the beginning. That's how we did, right? Um, you know, I, it's this time of the year. Like, obviously, guys are starting to get back into the swing of it. You know, they're trying to find their routines week to week, and, and so what you want to see, you know is in just improvement in, in any area, you know, from start to start. Right. And so for Cole, like obviously last weekend looked a little bit different, you know, obviously home runs, all that kind of stuff, which I mean, he is susceptible to, uh, we know that, right. He's not going to overpower you. He's not going to, you know, just wow you with stuff. And and while he had three strikeouts, you know, we're not going to say that he is a, you know, a dominant strikeout pitcher, right. You know, he relies a lot on defense, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, to see him come back, you know, be able to throw, you know, get into the, it was, it he got, yeah, he got into the fifth, right. Yeah. Before everything kind of fell off. So like, that's the thing that I look for is like, can these guys get into the fifth and sixth inning at least early in the season? Cause that tells you where they are, you know, as far as conditioned, how they feel that kind of stuff. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to spend the first month of the season having starters go four innings because then you're burning those guys in the bullpen for when it gets to May and June, that's when you're going to need them. Do you think um, Cole, so he didn't pitch in the summer. I don't, I don't think he pitched in the summer, but he missed a lot of time in the fall as well. Uh, Do you think that has maybe contributed to this, I guess, slow start for Cole? Well, you, you kind of look at think of it this way, like he's never had that much time to not pitch. You know what I mean? Like think about like his trajectory, like, you know, in high school, you're you're playing your high school season, you go into summer ball, like, you're, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, so he probably, you know, experienced the longest he's ever experienced in his, you know, short career of playing baseball of not being on the mound. And, you know, we all know that, like, you can't simulate game reps. I don't care how many live VPs we do. I don't care how many scrimmages, like, I, every coach knows this, like, they're not live, right? It's just not, you know, it, it is what it is. So I think that can factor into it for sure um, when you have that time off, just trying to get back to it. And, but at the same time, it's like, hey, as long as, you know, especially in the early part of the season, if you're getting wins when you're not getting deep games from your starters, good sign for your offense. You don't want to rely on it all year, but you'll take it early on for sure. So frogs move to what's this six and oh at this point, uh, Martin, you mentioned a couple um, interesting stats about one of the best starts or they've had since uh, 1994. Do you have those um, uh, available? Uh, yeah. So they started nine and oh in 1994 at that point, so the last time they were six and zero, um, they had only had one NCAA tournament appearance in program history. Um, and we're talking coach, regionals. Yeah, <laughs> nineteen fifty six. Up until that point, was the only time TCU had been. Obviously, uh, nineteen ninety four was their second year that they made a regional. But when they were when they started six and zero that season, they hadn't made the regional yet. And um, head coach Kirk Sarlos was apparently he was playing soccer in high school. <laughs> I saw I saw a Cohen tweet about that. I mean, I saw he was in high. I knew he was in high school, but apparently he was playing soccer. Um, and then Nolan Ryan and Tom Grieve, two Rangers Hall of Famers, their sons were pitching for TCU. When you when you walked in in 2010, Matt. Did they talk about that 1994 team? Okay. No, 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 they did not. 
No offense uh, to those guys. They, they all came before us. They had to endure some things we never had to endure. Yeah. Uh, just like we had to endure what these, you know, I, I didn't get, I didn't get new cleats guys for two years. I got one pair. Okay. We didn't, we didn't have extra dollars to throw around at that point. I, uh, I had an intro question I forgot to ask you, so might as well do it now because it's a good um, transition to that. What's a statistic or like analytical tool? Maybe it's a piece of equipment, something that guys have now in college that you would have benefited from in, you know, 2010, 2011. TrackMan is probably one of the best things that's, that's been able to come out, you know, um, just being able to see, like, I would have loved to have known kind of my mapping of my pitches to see it and be able to kind of, you know, cause you just went off of what you, you know, you just looked at it and you're like, okay, this makes sense. Arm slot, what that does and all that stuff. But I would just would have loved to have seen it, you know, and, and then know how to, okay, maybe if we change a little bit, maybe in a manipulate this way, like how much it could have changed the depth. Cause I honestly, that didn't kick in until like right at the end of my like professional career, um, which now is a tool that these kids are, you know, they're on it when they're 10 years old, trying to figure out how to, you know, create more ride, which that will say that's also a detriment to now is because now kids are chasing what they think is beneficial or what they should be versus like letting their bodies actually dictate what they are. You know what I mean? All these kids are chasing high, high ride fastballs, but it's like, dude, you can't throw high ride fastballs, Like that's not how you throw. Like you need to be a different kind of guy. So it, it helps and it hurts um, to a certain extent, but yeah, I would have loved to have been able to see that and, and kind of look at it and play with it for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, comment from Bella perk would have gotten stupid NIL money, uh, to come here. I think we, I think, I think we agree on that. <laughs> what were you, was it 16th overall pick from out of high school? Is that right? Yep. 14th, 14th had a, had a conversation today with a guy who was like, man, I was real bad that you didn't sign. I go, you do remember they went bankrupt, right? Like that doesn't happen <laughs> in sports, but they did. Like, <laughs> I was like, it wasn't all me. All right. So, um, well, actually let's take a quick, uh, just a quick break to mention our second sponsor, um, you can see it on the screen. Hell's Half Acre. Uh, Garrett, when you're going to Lupton uh, Stadium and you want to look your absolute best, you know, you you want to look good for your wife, obviously your baby, you know, you care about what your baby thinks. Uh, you want to make the other fans go, dang, what's that guy got on? What's his fit? Where, where's your go-to? I mean, there's really, I mean, guys, there's really only one option. Um, it's Hell's Half Acre Stadium Goods. The very best to do it in Fort Worth, some of the coolest stuff. Um, the, uh, the the throwback TCU hat is getting a lot of love right now. Uh, I love that hat. I went with this one today, though, kind of more low-key. This happens to be my favorite Hell's Half Baker hat. You read the uh, original patch on there. Um, you really can't go wrong. I know Jacob was wearing the, uh, the baseball uh polo yesterday with the jerseys and bats everything on it it's an awesome look so all you guys go on there use our link get their stuff um support them and wear it to Lepton this year awesome thanks garrett um all right so frogs are two and oh hoping to go for a sweep on sunday uh warm warm february day uh, i was shocked how, how hot it got outside today uh but it couldn't have been a more disastrous first inning for the bruins um, I just want to break this down quickly before we get to the rest of the game, which is kind of a blur. But they, the Bruins start with the bases loaded in the top of the first uh, with, a, with a walk, an error by Brody Green, which was uh, kind of surprising. He had such a great weekend uh, defensively. And then another walk, zero outs. My immediate thought was, all right, let's see how quick this hook is for Zach Morris. Um, I didn't know if they would let him, you know, give up three, four, or if they would say, Hey, we've got a fresh bullpen. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to figure this out uh, with everybody else. But next batter strikes out 
And then uh, Morris finishes off the inning with a double play, no runs scored, which, again, um, that was huge. Uh, in the bottom of the first, the Frogs bat around completely. Uh, they put up a five spot on six hits, starting with uh, Peyton Chatnier's uh, home run on the second pitch of the game. Uh, so from that point on, they could have ended the game right there and, and let UCLA get home a, a couple hours earlier, but uh, they kept playing. So TCU put up two more in the second inning. 7-0 at that point felt felt pretty insurmountable based on the you know the, the way that UCLA had been playing all weekend. Uh, a five-run sixth inning, including Carson Bowen's massive uh, two-run shot, a few unearned runs there. There was a there was a bunch of errors in that inning. Uh, I I, I re actually rewatched it. So there was a pass ball by the catcher. There was a double play ball thrown. Uh, that was a perfect double play ball to second base. Second baseman missed it, overthrew his shortstop. Uh, there was a, a missed catch in right field. It wasn't an error per se. He was just about a foot or two short that even Chuck Lamondola thought he caught it, but it bounced first. Um, and then the third baseman, their, uh, their all-star, uh, Rock Chalowski, uh, missed a grounder. So just a bunch of stuff. Everything was going wrong for him. And that brought the lead uh, to 10 runs. Solid performance by Zach Morris, uh, some strong innings by Caden Parker, and then we saw Andrew Moziello finish out UCLA in the seventh inning. The run rule was in effect, and the Frogs took it 13-3, to ending just an incredible weekend uh, for Frog Ball. Uh, so, Garrett, pitching-wise, we saw Zach Morris, I mentioned, Caden Parker, Andrew Moziello. Uh, any thoughts on those guys? Uh, yeah, man. Um, Zach, again, I, he, was, he was impressive. He had five strikeouts today. Um, how many innings did he go? He went uh, four. Yeah, so he went four innings. And then, you know, for, for Cabden and, and Andrew, um, I'm glad to see. I was happy to see Moziello um, get in the game today. I think that was really cool. Um, but, dude, it's super hard to, to look at the kind of the back half of this game um, for the guys who came into the pen because, man, kind of like you were saying with those errors, UCLA straight up looked like they did not want to be there. Like, after – after the first inning, you load them up, you get denied, and then chat just kind of ruins your afternoon. Yeah, from that moment on, it, it just looks like those those guys were they're were ready to get on back home. Um, Perk Zach went four innings, like Garrett said, eighty-eight pitches. Is there an issue maybe with some um, we call it inefficiency there? Is that a concern at all? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you look at him; it's he's got eight innings and seven walks, and that that part you're that's not you know because. What you want out of your Sunday guy is a strike thrower. That's all you care about. Like, because you're, you've gone through two games, bullpen's been used, you know, you played that kind of stuff. You're just looking for a guy to, to, to force the issue and throw a ton of strikes. And so for him, you know, to be 88 pitches in four innings, again, it's early. They'll find their footing, but still at the same time, it's not like you're not walking away from going, yeah, that was great. Thanks. You know, it's, it's, that's tough. You can't have that all year. It can be happening now. It can happen for the next two weeks, but we get about four or five starts into this and he's still ripping four innings. It's just not going to end. That won't be uh, sustainable, you know? So for me, it's just, let's cut the walks. Like I said, when they come in bunches, that's the scary part. Not when they happen every now and then, but when they come in bunches and, and, you know, we talked about the first inning, like that's, that's the game right there, right? If, if they, uh, if they find a way to get a ball in the air, we don't know what this game looks like. Um, you know? And so that's the part where you look at it and you go, Hey, we came out of it unscathed. It doesn't, you know, just the box score doesn't tell that story, but uh, you definitely want to see improvement next week. Um, you know, but when you sweep a team, you sweep a team, you're going to take the ugly just as, just as good as the good, but uh, long-term you're definitely going to want to see a lot more strikes out of that Sunday guy, because 
the last thing you want is a three inning start and then you got to rip six out of the bullpen. Hey, yeah, Matt, that's, um, that's a great point. That this could, sorry, Martin, just say that first inning, you know, one, one thing doesn't go our way. We're looking at a completely different ball game right now. So that's, that's a very good point. I mean, we did have something not go our way uh, when Brody Green committed the error, which probably could have been a double play. And then there was another error in, I don't know, the maybe the third inning where uh, we could add another double play. So that's four outs right there that you could have had. I mean, that's that's pitching into the sixth inning. Do you think, and going back to last week uh, during Morris's start, TCU had four errors. So do you think that when plays do not go your way, you think pitchers try to be more fine or you think maybe that's what's leading to, you know, these walk counts being higher? Yes. I mean, the, the, the famous saying is like, you know, they always tell you, you know, the coach always says like when a guy makes error, you know, you just let them know that you got, you got him again. You'll give him the next one. It's like, I don't really want to get him the next one. Can we hit it to somebody else? <laughs> like I'm not a hundred percent sure I want to get him the next one. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a tough spot. You, you get into a point where what you don't want is the pitcher to feel like he's got to do it himself. That's when you see issues. If he feels like he's got to do it himself, then he's yeah he's going to start trying to be too fine he's going to try try to start picking at the corners he's going to walk more guys give up more hits it's just going to be a disaster so you really just don't want that mindset to set in um but uh, but yeah the old aid adage like you know let's I'll get you the next one it's like ah there's been some guys I'm like I don't want them to hit him a ball again like that's just I, I'm okay with it perk I have a question for you so Cayman Parker came in today after Zach Morris and. He's working himself back from Tommy John the previous year, and he gave up a solo home run and then was kind of sharp to finish the inning and then came out the next inning, gave up a, a double that was laced to the wall and then you know settled down and all that. How long does it take a pitcher to kind of get back into that groove of things after being off so long? It's a great question, Ray. Um, you know, they always tell you that you can come back at like 12 months, you know, that 10 to 12 month is when you can get back on the field. But to be honest, you don't see your stuff again until like 18 to 24 months. And that's something that I experienced. You know, I got back 12 months to the day of my Tommy John, and I really didn't feel comfortable until that back half of the season when I got to that 18th month mark. And so it, it really, you know, while you can pitch and like you're physically able to do it, the hardest thing to, to, to get back is, is your feel for your secondary. I mean, that's just, that's the toughest thing and it just takes time. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get a, a more opportunities like this one for Caden Cayman when it's very low pressure, low stress, um, where he can come in and kind of find his footing and get some innings. Because I mean, if we can get him basically to a point where he was coming into TCU and, and you know, what he can show, that's a huge weapon. That's a huge weapon you can have for a guy you know, towards the middle to the back end of the season. Cause he's, he's one that I think if he, you know, kind of figures it out, like he's a guy that you can look at when you get into a regional as a four starter, fifth starter. And how do you not keep it? How do you keep him up? Like his confidence up and just saying, Hey, you know, there's going to be bumps and bruises. You just have to work your, your work yourself through it out here on the mound. Yeah, I think the thing the thing you say to him is just like, man, you haven't played for two years. Like every every opportunity on the field should be should be a, uh, one that's championed, you know. Because I mean, I can tell you as a player, like when you get hurt and you have that significant amount of time off, it's hard to keep the 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 dark thoughts out. 
of am I ever actually going to be able to play again? So I, I just know, you know, with him, it's like, man, any any opportunity to be on the field is a great one. Um, if it doesn't go your way, doesn't go your way. Uh, the competitor in him is always going to be one. He wants to do well, and he will, um, I believe. But uh, at the same time, like for him, it's let's put it in this perspective of, man, you, you've missed two years. Like you haven't played basically in two years. So going back to the offense, which we mentioned a few guys already, you know, kind of on the summary, but just a solid overall positive um, output from the offense, 15 hits on the day. Uh, Peyton Chatnier had three, Carson Bowen had three, and then we had a number of guys with a couple hits, including Kirsten, Kurt, Kurt, uh, Curtis Byrne and Logan Maxwell, who looked great with two doubles. I mean, it kind of came, the offense came from everywhere. There wasn't really one guy stepping up, and I didn't, I didn't really feel like anyone you know, had a bad day. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, Tony had any hits, but he's he's still putting the ball in play and got on base because, you know, he ran faster than, than they could throw it. So um, thoughts on the offense from today? Um, I'll, I'll start it off. A couple of things. Um, Jack Rasier filling in for Peyton Tolley, uh, both Saturday and Sunday. All that dude did was barrel balls. It didn't always result in hits, but he made solid contact all weekend long. And is, I think he's definitely earned more playing time going forward. And then back to that first inning, uh, when Carson Bowen came up, you know, it was me and Jacob in the crowd. He uh, He's had some tough luck in his at-bats to start the year. Um, a lot of hard hit line drives, but just right at defenders. Um, he gets a little dribbler up the middle that gets, you know, just a little bit past the shortstop uh, infield hit. Jacob turned to me and said, that's going to start the Carson Bowen heart hot streak. And then all he did was just barrel balls, including that massive home run later in the game. Yeah. Carson was huge. He was uh three for three with five RBIs, including a sack fly. Um, also Sam Myers was really good. Uh, playing for Luke Boyers. But this, I mean, this is kind of what we talked about all offseason was this team is so deep. Like, this is a different team than TCU's probably ever had, you know, for the most part. Even those Omaha teams, it was like those guys are starting 60-plus games every year. It's not going to be like that this year. There's going to be guys that are not considered starters, but they're going to play a lot. Um, We also, uh, going off of the... Uh, overreactions from last week. There was a lot of people talking about Logan Maxwell hitting in the two hole. What a week he had. Um, and then Curtis Byrne, we had a lot of people complaining about him hitting third. And it seems like he just didn't want to do it against lower competition. So he wanted to do it, you know, in a top 20 matchup shows what he's really got. I mean, he kind of carried him uh, in the first two games, I think. Um, did we already talk about the way he runs? Did someone say like Iron Man? Like, <laughs> I mean, he's faster this year for sure. But like, yeah, when he hits that home run, he takes his time. It's awesome to watch. It's a lot of loud running, MK. A lot of loud running. <laughs> Y'all, can we talk about the perfect execution from the offense? From you know Logan Mac over the weekend. This was over the entire weekend. From Logan Maxwell's perfect slash bunt to the two just absolute gems of hit and runs that were called and well executed right back past the uh, second baseman that was going to cover second. Yes, we can talk about it. Um, 
you guys have thought? <laughs> I mean, I think you summed it up, Ray. I mean, they uh, they didn't make a lot of mistakes, you know, behind the plate like that, especially, you know, that, that one by Curtis. I'm not even sure if he um, – I don't know if he meant to hit it opposite field, but he's like it, – it was a hit and run, so he swung anyway, and it was the perfect placement. I – you know, I like that we did it against a team like UCLA. You know, there's all this talk about – West Coast baseball and oh, you know, we love our West Coast baseball. And then they talk about <laughs> TJ Bruce and oh, he's West Coast baseball. And I d I don't know if he's I think it's more of a um like a hybrid game where his is like definitely more aggressive. Is it we're not sack bunting, we're like trying to bunt to get on or trying to bunt to make something happen, trying to trying to make uh make them make a play. He's Mountain um, West hybrid. He's the best. I see. I see. Perk shaking his head. Why is that? It's just uh, I uh, just race jokes. It's okay. Sometimes you just can't. You can't not not shake your head at. Oh you come know, on! That was good. The Mark's youngest guy. The youngest, <laughs> the youngest guy in the group with the worst dad jokes of all. Like can't you know? Oh. Uh. We do, we do love, I mean, uh, TJ stuff is, is, Sorry is to different. Deep, yeah, I know you're good. It's his stuff is different. And so he's not a true believer in the West coast style. I mean, he obviously lived it, you know, being at UCLA for the years he did, but coming here, like he understood, like you can't play that style in the South. Like you just can't because, you know, we're going to, you're going to run up against teams that are going to be mashing the baseball all, all, all over the yard. And so you got to be able to have those crooked at number, um, innings and so to see him kind of find the way and also he just challenges guys to be more than just one dimensional that's the part too it's like he's going to challenge guys and and make them force them to to expand their game and not just stay with what they're comfortable what i like with tj bruce is that i noticed over the weekend is he'll go out and talk to the on deck uh hitter with what he's seeing and coach him up while they're in the on deck circle i haven't really seen that out of many coaches but man, I love that. Right, he's just talking to him about like how goofy the guy looks. He's not giving him any insight there. That's just <laughs> trying to make him laugh. Yeah, I know. going I, up there I telling you, a dad joke himself. Probably. I mean, like I said, you, you want to think it's so profound things, but he honestly could be talking about anything. Oh <laughs> yeah. no, I thought I've it been, was like a deep strategical mm-hmm, numbers yeah. talk. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. if you, you this is what the pitcher's doing. Let's uh-huh. try to do this and this at bat kind of thing. Oh, oh, he's yeah. like, um, hey, did you hear drunk Ray last week on postgame? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big fan uh, of the long drink. Big fan. <laughs> hey, he's he is he, he's gonna support the product. I can tell you that. <laughs> Brother, I do too. Um, I know we spent a lot of time prepping for the show, but does anyone want to guess the team leader in batting average, ops, and uh, slugging right now? Brody Green. You got it, Martin. You got it. He's leading all three with a 529 average, uh, 1428 ops. Chase obviously started off strong over 2,000, but dropped a little bit. Slugging 882. Um, All right, and not to turn it negative necessarily, but there's only two players – non-starters so let's let's uh, or starters excuse me uh so Ryder robinson doesn't count even though he had that you know first couple games but so think of the starters only two players with a batting average below 309 and an ops below 929 any guesses on those two luke boyers there's one luke boyers 
Does he count for two? <laughs> um, it's tough, right? Yeah. Is it Carson Bowen? It's not. No, it's not. He actually picked up a lot this weekend with a with a strong weekend. Um, the second one is is Peyton Tolley. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. So we'll kind of transition to that, kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, on Saturday, I don't think any of us were overly concerned about a day off. I think that's kind of expected, especially having the dual role that he has. Uh, then again, today, he has another day off. Um, even if Ray knows insider information, I don't think he's going to share it live on the pod, breaking that news. But uh, I guess now it's time to talk about like projecting what's going on with him. Um, thoughts on, on Peyton? Well, what I can tell you is... There we go. I don't think it's injury related at all because you watch him whenever he's celebrating and he is out there full hip thrusting and running around. There's no wraps on him, no braces. He's not really in slides. He's still fully dressed. I think it's just a couple of days off because Jack Brasier was hitting the ball so well. Perk, you concerned about this? Yes. Yes. Huh. Yes. Really? Yeah. That's like I, I love your analogy, Ray. First off, I've never known a TCU player to ever wear slides uh on the baseball field. So that one's but uh yeah, I mean I just think like I get the portion that he's gonna need some rest because he's like trying to do both, but you gotta be some kind of sore somewhere to not be able to swing a bat for two days. And it's not because they thought that they had it in the bag. Like this is a team that they respected and obviously was yeah. gonna play close to. It's like you know, I'm just – you never know. I mean, you never know, like I said, and guys, they can feel great off the field, but on the field when they're trying to execute what they're doing, it can be definitely different. So I don't like the optics of two days off, um, you know, in this situation this early in the year. I mean, yeah, today, like, okay, if something minor had come up, right, it's not the time of the year where you want to push through it, right? Maybe he is a little sore with something, but I'm just telling you by his body language about celebrating with the guys over the weekend. I don't think it, I don't think it's something major. I just think it's totally precautionary on TCU's end. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like I said, it could be that, Um, you know, you just don't want to see that out of your Friday night four hole hitter you'd have precautions this early. You know what I mean? You want to think that they're pretty fresh and ready to go, but it happens. I mean, again, <laughs> this is, we got a long ride. You know, we don't know. We don't even know who's going to be playing short all year. We think it's going to be Silva, right? We're seven games into a 50, what, five game season. Yeah. At least. It's time to overreact, Ray. <laughs> what are we here for if we're not going to overreact? Oh, oh my God. Peyton Tolley, Tommy John on Tuesday. <laughs> That's what that. Perk is that. saying. <laughs> That's not what I said. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, thoughts on uh, Tolly? Oh, I think Tolly was totally disrespecting UCLA by not playing Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> he just kicked back. They don't need me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to kick back and watch all these home runs. Well, you know, I thought maybe it had something to do with so many games being played in a short amount of time, but then you'd think he'd sit the midweek games, right? Um, Kirk makes a great point. Uh, Maybe they think a, uh, more of Washington State and Arizona than they do of UCLA. I mean, Arizona just cost me in post game picks, so I don't see why they think highly of Arizona. Um, but <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you'd think in a ranked matchup that these would be the games that he'd be playing instead of 
two midweek games. Saturday makes a lot of sense, especially after pitching, right? Sure. I, I, yeah. I think we'll probably see that throughout the season where he takes um, the, the second game off. But, man, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it'll be interesting what happens on Friday afternoon, actually, right? USC, it's a 2 o'clock game, and uh, we assume he will be pitching. We'll I would say we'll see what happens on Tuesday evening with Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so – on the pitching, uh, one of the big themes from the weekend, uh, it's hard to take a lot from two data points, right? But Tolley against FGSU, FGCU went three innings, and and uh, he went uh, five against UCLA. Klecker went from three innings pitched to four and a third. Morris, same four inning, innings pitched, but only gave up two runs instead of five. So I think some positive movement in terms of just their overall performance. Yeah, Peyton Tolley on Friday was the first TCU starter of the season to go and complete five innings of work. That's kind of wild. When you're five games in, a little bit. Yeah. Um, a name mentioned earlier that we haven't gotten a chance to talk to or talk about is Louis Rodriguez. I mean, we saw him, like you said, on Tuesday for a couple innings. I I don't know if I I, I – He's kind of one of those guys I expect to see every weekend. Um, so that was a surprise. We saw Zach Collier. We're seeing him twice a weekend. And I don't know. Um, anybody have thoughts on, on Louie? I don't think he's hurt. I, I mean, think they want to save him to start him on Wednesday. I think you're, you're in the middle of a stretch where you're playing eight baseball games in 10 days. You're going to need pitching against Arizona. That's a big RPI game, too. Uh, I think they're saving him for Wednesday. Um, all right. Big picture thoughts, guys. What do you guys got? So mentioned, obviously, the the um, offense is, is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, we really don't have a lot of guys that are struggling very much. Uh, Brody Green's kind of been a highlight of you know year just in terms of offense. And he after after not starting that first few games, um, has really come out and pretty much taken that job, you know, by the reins. I don't think we'll see any change from him unless he needs a day off here and there. But uh, what else have, do you guys have in your notes? Uh, the um, what would you call this? The stable of catcher and first base, switching back and forth, going 50 50. I think that's worked out great, uh, so far. Um, Peyton Chanier has been a huge, like, big uh, energy guy, big leadership guy, big uh, you know, he's got some pop in the bat, and it, it's just like he kind of hypes these guys up and and like makes them think that they they can do anything. So I, I think that's, that's down as well, Martin. That was my my one of my big takeaway notes from the weekend was was Peyton, um, and what he's I, what I think you know early on whatever what I think he's going to mean to this team down the stretch. And so far as being a, a leader in the room and and just kind of that answer as a leadoff guy that we were going to have to replace this year. And um, he's been sure has been uh, very very impressive thus far. So. I'm excited to keep watching uh, what Peyton does for us in that uh, in that leadoff spot. I mean, if you haven't having the threat of a home run to start the game is is something that I don't know how many years we've had that. You know, where the leadoff guy's been a threat to put the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, and that's tough as a scouting when you're going into a game of like, hey, we can't just groove the first pitch here because he might smack it. You know, I mean, it just puts you on notice right off the bat towards like, hey, if we don't get this guy out, it sets the tone completely for their inning. And by the way, if you just groove it, he might put it out of the ballpark. 
And so that's a totally that's a that is a tough thing to plan against, especially over a weekend with three starters of like, hey, how are we going to attack this guy? Because one, he can do damage with the barrel. Two, if we try to work around him, we put him on the base. He's just going to start running. And it's just like, so that's a tough, like I said, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, in the past few years, we've had Eli, which is he's always a threat to get on base, but you never worried about him putting the ball out. But having a guy that actually has pop in the, in the one hole, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good weapon to have. And the, the biggest thing that I, cause he's, he's always had pop. He's been like a 10 home run, uh, second baseman that Ole miss. But the biggest thing that I've noticed is that he already has eight walks where at Ole miss, Last year in the whole season, he only had, uh, let's see, 22. So that's about a third of the walks that he had last year, just in two weeks. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about him uh, changing his approach, changing his, you know, swing his, um, you know, he's trying to be more of an on-base guy, and he really is doing that. And um, he's, he only had 11 stolen bases in his career at Ole Miss in four years. So uh, I think he's going to destroy that. Um I mean, it's just it's just a totally new player that we have on our you know leading off for us um, than what we thought we were getting in the portal. I mean, do you also look at that as like when we get these guys in and they start to show these skill set that like what was going on at their previous programs? You know, what I mean, just you kind of look at the 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 philosophy differences where I think TCU is one. You know, from you know Todd Whitting to Bill Moziello to now TJ like they're trying to stretch every every facet of the game with every guy. It's no just like, hey, you do your one thing and that's it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's just a testament to the program that when you come here, it's, hey, you're going to be a complete player. You're not just going to be a one- to two-dimensional. So what I've noticed these first two weeks out of the offense is it's carried over from the fall is they were really strong in the fall and it's carried over the spring. I think what's really helped them has been the batter's eye. And I talked to, whenever I did post game on Saturday, you know, I asked Logan if he liked the new batter's eye. He said, love it. I love that there's no longer car headlights and on a night game from Bel Air in my eyes as I'm trying to bat. I think the batter's eye has extremely helped this offense um, up and down. And um, on the pitching side, uh, for me, I think we've seen – I think the growth from Braden Sloan and Chase Hoover has been huge for this team. Uh, Braden Sloan, the ability to come in and strike batters out – is huge and then throwing Sloan in when Collier started to wobble a little, you know, a little tiny bit there in the ninth on his second day of work to come in and shut down UCLA, a top 20 team in the country. That's huge, massive for their growth, their development, and will carry well as the season progresses. You know who the batter's eye has not helped? Luke Boyers. Luke Boyers. The home plate umpires. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but we're still winning uh, despite some iffy umpiring. Uh, we think it was just a night off for Luke, or it, I, I, Kirk said this, you know, before the season started. Every job is open, right? Is that is is this a real threat for Sam Myers to take over that position? I think it absolutely has to be, man. I mean, Sam came in, and then on top of that, he was productive. 
So if 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 we're if Kirk's going to practice what he preaches on that, then then absolutely, I think that job is open for him to take, and it's open for Luke to win back too. You know, I mean, I think you look the thing you look at Luke is like he's been here long enough that you know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? And so it's like if he's not if it's not clicking, it's not clicking, and we've seen what not clicking looks like for him, and it can be very long stretches. Um, you know, and so it's it's not one where it's unfortunate. It's like you, it's one of those things like you've been here too long to to get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and Sam Myers isn't the only guy who's been playing uh, that could be taking some of those at bats in right field. Uh, Jack Basier, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna have that DH position available every time. You know, Peyton Tolley is gonna come back in the lineup. Um, uh, Jack Basier is a guy who can play any corner position. So you know, with him with his bat doing well. He's he's a candidate to take over some of those plate appearances in right field as well. Looking for serious questions in the chat. I don't see a lot of them. I see, I see some jokes. Uh, Jackson Day, should we be worried that uh, we're just so much better than all of our opponents? It doesn't look like we'll have to start trying until Arlington. Little literally, uh, Jackson, but appreciate the optimism there. <laughs> Arlington like next weekend because I, those opponents are a lot worse than what we face this weekend. I think he was talking about the uh, Big 12 tournament, but yeah, mm. I, don't know. I think yeah. one thing to, to hit on is the being able to retain Curtis Byrne, uh, I think is going to pay dividends for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, you know, we obviously Carson had a heck of a year last year, but like being able to, like we've already said, them kind of ping pong back and forth at first base and Curtis being able to swing the bat. Like, I think it's huge that they were able to keep him because to be honest, I didn't know if he was going to stay like after last year, you know, cause I felt he had a good enough year to where he would have some interest outside the program. Um, and he knew going into the off season that it was probably Carson's job and he would, you know, so it's like have being able to to keep that guy in house and then see that I think it's going to you know pay, pay off big time. I think it's great that they actually have a third catcher in Tim Reynolds. You know, oh, he doesn't. You're never you're never really ever going to see him right, but he gives you the ability to play Carson or Curtis at first and not have to worry about catcher if one of those go down or what are you going to do if you know something unfortunate happens during the game i think tim tim reynolds is an unsung hero of this team we haven't seen him yet have we has he played any innings we've only seen him come out and warm up a pitcher whenever carson yeah. or curtis have to go put the shin pads on okay but All the right. threat is real mk the threat is real Hey, five games this week—you never know. Maybe, maybe we'll throw them in. You know, for yeah. for beating down the uh, the Cougars on Tuesday night. Least uh, least favorite time of the year is these is these stretches. Least favorite five, time of the year. You mean adding an extra game? Yeah, it, it's it's just it, it's such a tough thing to do just to map out as far as pitching goes and guys playing. I mean, yeah. it, it, we talk about the pitching, but it's like putting these guys putting you know Silva through five straight games in a week when he's used to four at the most, like that's, I mean, it, it does take a toll and it's, I don't like it that this is, these things are scheduled on a regular basis. I don't really don't understand why we still are in a state where we have to do this because it shouldn't be that way. Do you think it's a little bit different now that they increased the roster limits? It helps. It definitely helps to having more bodies because um, you're going to see guys play that you know you don't necessarily. And and in that regard, you can get some younger guys some innings and stuff like that. But still, just the just the whole mechanics of it, you know, it throws off your weeks. It it completely looks different. Practice has got to be some. I mean, you're going to play Tuesday and Wednesday. You're not practicing Thursday. 
like it's i mean you're going to go through your walkthrough like you normally would but it's going to be very light because you got to get ready for a weekend you know what i mean so it's i just don't i don't like i don't like that we're still doing this because i don't see the advantage for really any team to have to go five games in a week your practice is those extra nine innings on wednesday do you think that it helps that we're not playing a single team three times in a row this week like i think all of these teams are also playing five games and it's like one-offs. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, the weekend is is chopped up. I mean, you still got two two what two games against USC. Um, yeah. You know, so you still got two. Good, no, I mean, and that I I've got thoughts on that on on these matchups on the weekend of these these Globe Life tournaments. I've got thoughts, but well, let's hear them <laughs> because we're not going to be back. You know, with these games, it's tough on us podcasters too. We can't put out a preview episode this week because we're going to be at Lupton. You know, rooting these guys on. Let's hear them. I, I just I don't I get that you want to try to bring in as much as possible, but like one, I think TCU should be a staple to open the season every single year there. I think it. I think the program is good enough. It's nationally well known. I think it should be in the opening weekend every single one. We should not be playing an outdoor game um, to start the season. I'm just that's how I feel. Um, you know that I think that we draw well enough to have people there, and it's going to be good baseball. And so my opinion is we should start the weekend there, and then good on them for stretching it out as much as they can before the Rangers actually come back in the ballpark. But also, it's like some of these games, you're like, why? Why are we? Why do we have these teams here? Like. You're talking about Michigan value. and Baylor these past two weekends. It's exactly Not even what that. you mean. Not even that. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine to have that. Like, I would love for it to be an automatic Big 12 SEC tournament. I would love it to that be the, the, the thing to stop, open the weekend, have three Big 12 teams, have three SEC teams. Let's see what happens. You know, so I'm good with that kind of stuff, even if it's, you know, you have mixed in, you know, uh, some different ones. But it's just, you know, you look at it and you're like, this doesn't make any sense why we have these games and, and these teams playing here. Um, but you know, they, they, they're making money. So who cares? The uh, Texas tech, Oregon state, no streaming available. Nobody's able to watch the game. That was weird. Yeah. They got a hope. They got some problems with it when it comes to the television rights over there that they're working out. We'll get, we'll get there. I think Texas tech playing UTA at globe life the night before was even weirder. Like why not just play that at clay gold or whatever. And then you have an ESPN broadcast partner there. Already set up, ready to go. The teams are getting more money to play in Globe Life. I mean, that's that's. It can't game. be that much more money. It can't but be that much, Globe, but it's still more. Right? Globe Life's getting more money for them to be there. Like they're, they're, I don't think they're, I don't think they're pay. I think they're paying in that situation to have the midweek games there versus them being offered to come in. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. So, question from Michael Barco, uh, and got a got a couple responses in the chat. Until, will we move up in the rankings? Only undefeated top ten team with a top twenty sweep. Um, just uh, just as a refresher, uh, above us in the rankings, Frogs are at five. At number one, you've got Wake Forest. Two, you've got Arkansas. Three, LSU, and four, Florida. All four of them won their weekend series. Well, I've been warring, you know, trolling Arkansas fans all weekend because they had a they had a disappointing weekend. Uh, they've now lost their second game of the year. Uh, they dropped a, a game to an inferior Big 12 team. <laughs> Can't get over the Big 12 hump. And they they only won 4-3 to three against a Michigan team that is on par with Baylor and with how bad they are. We should be above Arkansas at least. Arkansas is not going to drop 
free spots. They should. Why not? D- don't let Hagen Smith and his amazing outing on Friday cloud your judgment about the frauds in Fayetteville. I'm not saying what I want to happen, Ray, or what I would vote for. I'm telling you what D1 and and their, you know, which we love D1, right? We had uh, Eric on last week and Kendall. We love those guys. But when you have a panel of 10 guys, collectively, their votes are not going to change the order too much, in my opinion. I think it's going to be exactly the same, one through five. They're not going to move us all the way to number one, right? We're not bumping Wake Forest. No. TCU should be number two. LSU played Stony Brook this weekend, uh, lost on Friday, and gave up 10 runs to them today. Frauds. Florida lost (laughs) to St. John, got swept by St. John's. And then they swept Columbia and Ivy League school. Does Ivy League League even play baseball? Frauds. Get them out of here. I hear what you're saying. Two losses. Frauds. Get them out of here. Right. They don't make decisions. Team in the country. They don't make decisions based on one game. They make decisions based on series. You know that. Well, I'm giving you the whole weekend um, of arguments right here. With TCU sweeping a top 20 team and Florida not really playing anybody and LSU hasn't really played anybody. I see us jumping those two teams. I don't see us jumping Arkansas because they actually played in in one of these tournaments and lost they the loss to Oklahoma State was what in the 14th inning. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get to an inferior Big 12 conference just as they've been, SEC teams. They've been glazing Wake Forest all off season so I don't see them moving Wake Forest off of number 1 anytime soon. I do believe somebody will have us number 1. I just don't think it's going to be the poll that actually matters. Rooney will because he was in attendance for all three games and saw this frog team up close and personal. I'm I'm actually surprised he was there for all three. You know, typically those guys would come in. There was a ton of ba- good baseball being played in uh, the Metroplex this weekend. Um, DBU, I know they had a they had a big matchup against what was it Central Michigan or something, and they killed them. And all the games in Arlington. Um, I thought Rooney had a funny comment this weekend. He said UCLA has a hundred dollar bill roster, but they're playing like they're seventy-five dollars. Um, question from Jackson earlier on about the pitching rotation. Um, when you have a I guess I'm gonna try to tweak this a little bit for the purposes of this week. You know, we have five games, right? So he says, could we have sat Tolly, have him pitched twice this week? Like what kind of when you I know that we've already talked about Louis Rodriguez and likely starting a new guy who hasn't started on a Tuesday or Friday through Sunday in that Wednesday slot. But would they ever do anything where they actually like a regional almost, you know, you, you, you just, you're throwing your best pitchers out there every three or four games. Is that something they would ever consider? No, keep them on the same schedule. They'd rather lose all five games than to try that. Like, okay, go on. Like I, I mean, you you would you'd rather go zero and five for the week than to try to like win these. I mean, because again, we we get wrapped up the metrics of it, RPI, all that kind of stuff does play into it. But at the same time, it's I mean, it's the third week of the season, and if you tried something like this, we you know we need we need to win the games against Tech. We need to win the games against Oklahoma. We need to win the games against the the, the ones that matter. So it's like if we drop two midweek games now, okay, like who cares? I mean. You know they were twenty three and twenty at one point last year, and they made the run. So yeah, well, if we're if we are seven and five after this weekend, um, we're gonna have you back. You heard it here first. You heard to, it here uh, first. I will to, be here for lashings. If we're to answer if we're to our <laughs> answer to the comments, <laughs> saying yeah. Perk called it. He said but, we were going zero and five. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, 
do we play DBU after the weekend next week? We I think we play AC. Yeah, we play ACU. Then we go to Kansas, <sighs> and then and then we go at DBU. Okay, good. DBU is not. I was thinking that DBU was after this long stretch, which that would have been oof. Hosting Abilene Christian, which which helps. Um, yeah, they're frauds. A lot of frauds we're talking about tonight. Ray doesn't believe in any team. Except uh, for the frogs. Shane Becknell. Man, I love base. the frogs. <laughs> Milfs. No, no kidding. Uh, Shane Becknell, we did talk about third base. We do believe it's locked up with uh, Brody Green for now. Uh, that uh, pending any um, change in his defensive or offensive performance, but he looks great out there. So, Hey, um, MK, from uh, our very good friend Bella Fox, or Bella Fox, what if we just win every game and never lose again? Still won't be number one, says David May. <laughs> <laughs> number one in my heart, though. Uh, fellas, closing thoughts before we get out of here. I think this team is really good. This offensive, the offensive depth is something we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, they have solid bench options that you feel comfortable with uh, coming into a game. And then the pitching depth is unbelievable. Martin, where you at? Frog's good. Frog's are indeed good. Frog's very good. I just want to get through this week, man. I just want to want to get through this stupid globe life field, these two midweeks. Just get it get it all behind us. Let's go play some uh some Big 12 games. Dang, here, it's here crazy. Yeah, you get through this week and then it's off to Big 12 play. It's time. It's time. It's crazy. Mark, great to have you back. Um, any closing thoughts for tonight? Seven and zero frogs. Yeah, I mean it's it's good to see. Um, you know, two sweeps early in the year. That's always fun. You know, that's going to keep it keep it light in the locker room. You know, those guys are going to have a lot of confidence, um, which is what you love. Um, you know, just want to kind of see. This will be the this weekend is where I think you can actually start putting feet to the fire when it comes to the starters. Um, if if it if it looks the same that it is the last two weekends, that's when we got to start having questions. But uh, this is when it should you should click. Um, and so I'm looking to see this weekend, even even with the messed up schedule and who we're playing twice, all that kind of stuff. Um, but really want to see those guys take a take a jump because, like we said, the next weekend we're in Big Twelve play and it matters. Like it matters. This uh, we have seen games against Kansas somehow matter uh, when it comes to trophies and in 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 tournament time. You talk All about right. keeping it lighthearted in the locker room. It keeps it lighthearted on this podcast because wasn't it Florida? We had the Florida State debacle the second weekend of last year that we had to talk about. I mean, we're feed up having fun now. Baseball's fun, Ray. Baseball's Baseball fun. is fun in Fort Worth. You know, there are some other teams and some other schools not having very much fun. But we're having fun. Big week. Uh, we got Washington State on Tuesday, Arizona on Wednesday, both at Lupton, and then a Globe Life tournament this weekend playing USC early game on Friday at 2 o'clock. They've got the late game on Saturday versus Arizona State, and then another one on Sunday versus USC again because that coach down south refused to play us. Um, we appreciate you guys joining in the chat. Thanks for all the comments and questions. Uh, really, uh, I, I feel I'm happy that that's growing a little bit, and you guys are joining, uh, watching us live. Uh, we are not going to do a midweek pod this week. It's just too much. We, you know, we 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 could do on Thursday, but 
it's it wouldn't be out in time for you guys to really you know pay attention to listen for Friday. So uh, we're going to hold off, and uh, we will see you all at Lupton hellshalfacre.com slash Lupton Drinking Club. A mega pod uh, next weekend, three hours, Joe Rogan style about right, TCU so, baseball. So, so 45 minutes for the rest of us, and Ray's going to rant for the next uh, couple hours after that, um, after uh, he finishes his fifth peach long drink. Appreciate the sponsors. Uh, as always, we'll see you all on Tuesday. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.